You're listening to The Nature of Things. This episode was originally aired June 4th, 1993. Blossoming viburnums and the sibilant peeps of tiny nestlings remind me that this is the time of the year when nature switches gears. It is a smooth, hydromatic shift, and I find that even many of my naturalist colleagues let it go by unremarked. Their focus remains on the woods and the wild places, despite the fact that nature has turned out the lights in its sylvan art show and directed its attention to the following weed fields. Most of the color in the forest precede the opening of the forest foliage, or as the botanist says, the closing of the forest canopy. That's why we call hepatica, trout, lily, and trillium spring flowers. Failure to note this gear shifting is evidence that not all, if indeed even most, naturalists are generalists. Weeds, at least 50% of which are alien invaders, grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, botanically speaking. Their ethnicity makes them suspect. I once thought this discrimination was a product of a city background, along with schooling at some university where all that was wild was extolled and all that was man-nurtured was eschewed. The opposite, however, is the case. That was pointed out to me by a city-bred friend whom I dragged miles from the south edge of Syracuse to the fertile fields east of Fabius to view a spectacular acreage of golden lotus corniculatus, that's birdsfoot trefoil. I was a bit crestfallen when he failed to respond in his usual enthusiastic fashion until he asked me, why did you pick this particular field instead of the others we passed along the way? Others, I said. I didn't notice any others. As it turned out, he was referring to a dozen huge expanses of mustard-infested fields, which glowed pale yellow. My farm upbringing had prevented me from seeing any beauty and all in, this, in a new seating in which a brassy alien threatened to crowd out or at least to reduce the productivity of the intended crop. It was a second such experience for me, but it finally made me realize that I was indeed a floral bigot. Since that moment, nearly 40 years ago, I changed my ways and have been rewarded every year by a whole spectrum of lovely displays, highlighted almost exclusively by the Liza Doolittles of the plant community. Just listen to the list. Oxeye Daisy, Chicory, Queen Anne's Lace, Dame's Rocket, Daylily, Muskmallow, Buttercup, Hawkweed, Campion, Loosestrife. My wife has used these blooms to decorate the house, and at times even the church, and few have failed to note their special beauty. I suppose I go slightly overboard in extolling what I call the calico fields. I still don't know the historic origin of that term, Burroughs, Thoreau, Muir. Maybe I coined it, but I think not. The analogy to fabrics is actually quite logical. In the earliest years following abandonment, the display might be likened to gingham, as the wild blooms trace the linear patterns of furrows and ditches. The calico nest develops as the variety of shades and the randomness of pattern is heightened. Finally, just before the shrubs inherit the field, the patterns and the sequence resembles a surrealist painting. As the tall weeds, with no allegiance whatever to the agricultural roots of the field, bring the list of species past the century mark. At that point, the species count is at its highest. As the field yields successively to shrubs and trees, 
the variety of plants decreases and the duration of the annual display shortens. Wilderness societies and John Muir notwithstanding, there is an intrinsic value in the following field that is precious to me. In the second chapter of Genesis, God conferred an obligation on Adam and all of his descendants, the husbandry of the biotic community, dominion, that is, over the fields and the forests. On balance, individually, we tend to merit the Almighty's approbation. As societies, however, where individual conscience is lost, we've, we've lost sight of God's purpose, using it too often to justify rather than to judge. I recommend a return to the fallow fields to study the raw processes of renewal and succession. The soil makes no ethic, ethnic discriminations. It is enriched as much by the alien invader as it is by the stand of corn, and more so than it will ever be by pristine grassy greensward or a gravelly parking lot. To my mind, that which enriches the soil is always better than that which doesn't. Well, that's all I have for today. This is John Week saying thanks for listening. Tune in next week and keep it natural.